There's 6,000 of them. It also tells you there's nothing unscriptural. There's people out there that will use these kind of formats and take everything that's free, you see. Which means that the person who's giving it all out has to shut up, close down, and move on. But this particular student at Clemson University in North Carolina is not going to be unscathed because I did all the right things, I got in touch with the right authorities, and they're coming down on them right now. But I've got another one to deal with, and I'll talk about that right after this break. Tonight as well. 
So you better get it pulled very quickly on every site where you've got it all up. And the manufacturers, I say, will have to go along with it. Because when I make a case about something, it's concrete. And you can't use petty little things before you think you can get round the laws and the loopholes by taking an image off my website and making it a little darker. Or any nonsense like that. You've already broken a bunch of rules already. And that's how I spend my time when I have time rather than doing the important things like trying to live and dig out 200 feet of snow and get something to eat and answer mail and so on. I've answered thousands and thousands of mails over the years from people who admit they never bought my books. The reason they admit it is because I ask them, it's obviously, it's obviously to me that they have read them, but I remember people, and I remember people's names. And when I get back to them, they eventually admit, yeah, I got it from this site and that site or whatever. See, they have no integrity either. Yet they've got the gall to either buy my books cheaper from someone who's costing them nothing rather than support me. Then they've got the gall to ask me questions about the books which they got illegally. That's the society we have today. It's not everyone. If it was everyone, I'd just walk away. But there's enough of them out there to, to do this kind of dirty dealing. It's no different, you know, than the, under the guise of charity, the big foundations, how they, they rake and roll in the money. See me Freemasonry. I've got their own books where they admit a, a, a fraction ever goes to charity of all the stuff they collect. Their own books. And it's the same with these con men. They don't even get in touch with me. They just go ahead and do it. Hoping that I won't hear about it. Well, they pocket all the loot. So for all those out there who are up to this kind of nonsense, I'm not sitting back. And, and now authorities are acting. Really acting. And they'll be coming for you. So for all the other listeners there who do have integrity, and who understand what I'm saying here, a psychopath wouldn't understand any, any moral points or convictions I'm, I'm letting loose here. But for all the rest of you, it's a shame I have to even hold you up with information by having to tell you what goes on. People have no idea of how I live or what I put up with. And I know for a fact that most people could not put up with good conditions in which I live or the income I get in and all the rushing around I have to do. The printers, and most of the money goes to the printers and the mailing and so on. They have no idea how I live. But the time is coming where I'll walk away 
because of all this nonsense. If I don't mention donations, I don't get them. I don't get them. Because people think you can switch on the TV or the internet at the same time every night and there's there's a guy yapping away as always. It's all somehow free. And they lap up the information, they use the information. There's, there's authors living off the information I put out. And I got that from an author society who told me that many of their members are making their living, their life living off the talks I've put out there with information on it. Not one of them is donated to me, mind you. Most of them won't even mention where they got all their information. And here's your paradox, you see. The paradox is the elites on many things to do with the people are correct, but not all incorrect about everything they say about the people. And it's the ones amongst you who use and abuse and con and lie and steal and steal and cheat who are making it possible for the elite to point fingers at the dull masses and say, look, you can't look after yourselves. You have no integrity, so we're going to do it for you. It's those very people that I'm talking about tonight who enable what's coming down to come down. They live all right. They live amongst us. So for those who think I live on fresh air, which you cannot get anymore with all the spraying in the skies, and for the ones who quietly sit back and download my free stuff all the time, how about donating once in a while? I'm sure you have the latest iPods and all the rest of the gadgets that are out there. I don't. I'm sitting here in front of a 98 computer. And I'll be uploading till 2 or 3 in the morning. So that you can get all your free stuff. You'll donate to sites there that promise you out-of-body experiences and hoopla. And you don't even realize who runs those shows or why they're authorized to be there. You'll lap up the information I give out there. And I get bombarded all day with questions. Like I'm at a walking library. Like I have nothing else to do. I've always said you have to think of your fellow man if you want to save yourself. But a lot of what I see tells me that people don't think about their fellow man. They don't even think about how I get through a day or what I have to do in a single day. Seven days a week. Because there's no breaks at the weekend. But they bombard you with trivial questions. They're sitting in front of high-speed internet. I don't have the highest-speed internet. And they're too lazy to research anything for themselves. I shake my head and live in hope. But there are other ones out there who are truly conscious and considerate. 
my pitching for tonight. Well, all this is going on, and the people that are buying their iPods, their latest gadgets and gimmickry, that keeps them amused. From the WashingtonPost.com, it says, Pentagon to detail troops to bolster domestic security. And this is by Spencer S. Sue and Anne Scott Tyson. <coughs> Monday, December the 1st, <coughs> 2008. The U.S. military expects to have 20,000 uniformed troops inside the United States by 2011 trained to help state and local officials respond to nuclear terrorist attack or other domestic catastrophe, according to Pentagon officials. And I'll explain what these catastrophes will be after the following messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, discussing how the Pentagon is detailing troops to bolster domestic security from the WashingtonPost.com. This is the long-planned shift in the Defense Department's role in homeland security was recently backed with funding and troop commitments after years of prodding by Congress and outside experts. Experts again, eh? Defense analysts said, all very vague Abstract defense analysts, no names now. There are critics of the change in the military and among civil liberties groups and libertarians who express concern that the new homeland emphasis threatens to strain the military and possibly undermine the Posse Comitatus Act, a 130-year-old federal law restricting the military's role in domestic law enforcement. The reason that was put through after the, the American Revolution in fact, part of the problem that brought on the American Revolution was that Britain was going house to house with the redcoats, the troops. They, were also, they also had the right to billet them in any homes that they wanted to, and even kick out the families. So the right to privacy in your own home was of paramount concern to those who set up the United States. It was to protect the people. But we know that's get tossed, that's tossed out the window because we live in a different America, an America that was designed in London. And the Anglo-American establishment have ruled the country for an awful long time. And Britain is the, the model that this whole world has to be based upon because that's where the foundations began, the royal assented ones. like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, etc. Since the Bush administration, some Congress have pushed for a heightened homeland military role since the middle of this decade, saying the greatest domestic threat is terrorists exploiting the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. It's funny that because I was just reading in a science magazine from the military of them testing at the new laser weaponry and about the new drones are going to get for patrolling the streets of America, these little flying drones with cameras and little things that can sting you and all the rest of it, and how they're putting in orders for billions of dollars worth of these things. And isn't it odd that they never mention they're hoping to get, hoping to get the money in a time of, well, recession. No, they're sure they're going to get it, and they will get it, you see. They, they know all this is a big con, this recession stuff. 
And the weapons of mass destruction are going to come from the military. We've already seen the non-lethal weaponry, which actually is, is, is a misnomer because turned to different frequencies, it can kill quite easily. In fact, it was, it was a great guy who designed the standing wave, who also designed that kind of weaponry. His idea was to knock out whole cities. It's quite amazing how they glorify these supposed geniuses. Before the terrorist attack of September 11, 2001, dedicating 20,000 troops to domestic response, a nearly sevenfold increase in five years would have been extraordinary to the point of unbelievable. Paul McHale, Assistant Defence Secretary for Homeland Defence, said in remarks last month at the Centre for Strategic and International Studies. But the realisation that civilian authorities may be overwhelmed in a catastrophe prompted a fundamental change in military culture. He said, what's really going on is the U.S. has been taken down. That's what's really going on. Because it must merge into the very system, the police state, which it helped foster across the world, and now must merge into it to the same standard. And that's the reason why they pulled the plug on the economy now. They could have kept the whole bubble going for as long as they wanted. It was always a bubble. It was always a con game. But this is the time for it, you see. And it's a time to enforce all the eugenics procedures with the eventually mandatory sterilization. That, that will come down the road in a few years. After all, China is the model state for the, for the world to be based upon, according to the UN. And they want to drastically reduce the population under any, any guise will do. The Pentagon's plan calls for a free rapid reaction forces to be ready for emergency response by September 2011. They first used the term rapid reaction force about 15 years ago at the United Nations. And everybody didn't. It was so vague at the time, people thought, well, I guess that means rushing people from one country to another when there's trouble. They didn't realize that it really also meant a rapid reaction force to be turned on their own people in times of trouble at home. And we know trouble is coming. There's going to be food shortages because they're engineering a food shortage with the GM food, which only produces two-thirds of the crops the old ones did. And who owns them all are about five corporations, or really one corporation. They own the entire food industry of the planet. Plus, they've made sure they've destroyed all the local farmers across the U.S. and Canada and elsewhere and made these big agri-food farm businesses, which are often into the business of creating these biofuels and not growing food. It's all engineered this way. Nothing happens by chance. In a system where you have a thousand think tanks foreseeing the future and the actions and reactions to all the things they're going to implement, that's what they get paid for. And they get paid very, very well. We'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix. It wasn't that long ago, remember I read an article about the first combat soldiers coming back who were also going to be placed on active duty within the United States. So you see that, that report in that newspaper article was in fact to get us familiar with the idea. Then it doesn't stop there. Once they've got you familiar, they push the envelope. And as I say, the first 4,700 person unit built around an active duty combat brigade based at Fort Stewart, Georgia, was available as of October the 1st, said General Victor E. Renoir, Jr., commander of the U.S. Northern Command. I also read an article back then, too, where U.S. Marines were being taught to uh, use uh, small arms, concealed weaponry, and to be disguised as civilians, had to go in amongst the civilian population. What do you think that is? It says, web- military preparations for domestic weapons of mass destruction attack have been underway since at least 1996. That's about the same time, or the second, the second reprint of when the, from the little club for the new American century came out with their agenda and all the countries they wanted to attack. Since when the Marine Corps activated a 350-member chemical and biological incident response force and later based in the Indian Head, Maryland, a Washington suburb, such efforts accelerated after the September 11 attacks. At the time Iraq was invaded in 2003, a Pentagon Joint Task Force drew on 3,000 civil support personnel across the United States. 2005, a new Pentagon Homeland Defense strategy emphasized preparing for multiple simultaneous Simultaneous mass casualty incidents. National security threats were not limited to adversaries who seek to grind down the U.S. combat forces abroad, McHale said, but also include those who want to inflict such brutality on our society that we give up the fight. It's it's amazing how they almost say it from your point of view, such as detonating a nuclear bomb in a U.S. city. Now, who has the power to do that? It's interesting that movie V for Vendetta, the guys who were in power in this totalitarian regime had unleashed uh, a virus on the public and blamed terrorism in order to get control over the public. But that's an old scam, isn't it? In late 2007, Deputy Defence Secretary Gordon England signed a directive approving more than $556 million over five years to set up three response teams known as CBRNE, Consequence Management Response Forces. Planners assuming an incident could lead to thousands of casualties, more than one million evacuees, and contamination of as many as 3,000 square miles about the scope of damage Hurricane Katrina caused in 2005. It's amazing, you know, how they, they terrorize the public. But this is an old trick. Is you utterly terrify them about the sky being as falling. And every possible, unimaginable thing that could possibly happen or impossibly happen to gain power over the public so that they can do what they want to do. Which is to have the military all through society managing you like an occupied country. And then they go to, oh, it could be the flu, a terrorist attack, a hurricane, an earthquake, a catastrophic chemical release, respectively, blah, 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 blah. 
So they, they go through all the possible disaster scenarios that could possibly ever be. And we know it's nothing to do with that. And that ties in with the BBC. You see, they're all working together in collusion. BBC article, Tuesday the 2nd of September 2008, World Must Tackle Space Threat. See, remember what the Club of Rome said, when there's no more enemies, that they find enemies. Lenin said the same thing, that they find terror within to control the people. Because government exists under the guise of protecting you. This is by Julian Siddle, science reporter, BBC News. The international community must work together to tackle the threat of asteroids colliding with Earth, a leading UN scientist said. Another, it's weird how they bring out the experts. Eh? Professor Richard Crowther's comments came as a group of space experts called for a coordinated science-led response to the asteroid threat. What a growing industry science is now, eh? When they took over from God. They've got, they've got us more paranoid and terrified of all these possible things or impossible things happening than any church ever could do to you. It's the same techniques. They used to, you know, the churches used to know because they used to study the stars and all that ancient star stuff was very, very, very old indeed. You had, you had ancient groups of the, of the stellar cult and the solar cult and the lunar cults, all the high priests in Egypt. And they had all the stars charted in their courses and the, the, the planets and so on. And they had the comets as well. And the Catholic Church was even known to pull out the comet one and, and see that a sign from God was coming. And people were terrified that it would come around thinking it was a portent of death. And here's these characters using the same techniques, eh? Only a lot more of them. The Association of Space Explorers says missions to intercept asteroids will need global approval. We saw that in, I think it was Deep Impact, with the movie. That's how they get you predictively programmed for the, the, the BS they're going to feed you later. The UN will meet in February. The United Nations is going to meet in February to discuss the issue. In the ASE report, which is kind of like ASS, the group of scientists and former astronauts point to the historical record to highlight the dangers of asteroids an impact 65 million years ago may have wiped out the Maypark, may have wiped out the dinosaurs. And the Tunguska impact in 1908 produced a 2,000 square kilometer fire in Siberia, big enough to engulf a city the size of New York. That was an odd thing too, because you look at the history books at the time, and people actually saw a missile going over in 1908 before the explosion. They say the next major threatening event could occur in less than 20 years. Asteroid Apophis is due to pass close to the Earth, and analysts suggest a 1 in 45,000 chance of a collision. Well, I'll take my chances on that. So this is the rubbish they feed the public to, to, in order to soak them as their tax money and to create jobs for them. Scientists are very good at creating jobs for themselves mainly because no one else understands what they're talking about. You realize the first thing you do when you develop a doctrine or a science is you create a terminology so that only the ones, your, your little brethren, your fraternity, understand what you're saying. And the public won't. And whenever you're talking about something to the public, you throw a lot of these terms in knowing you're completely confusing them. And when you do that to the public, they sit back and their judgment just goes to the back seat. Say, oh, well, this is too 
too far above my head. I'm not educated enough. This man must be right. And that's a simple technique. That's what the snake oil salesman used to use as well. Same as that, same technique. It works very well. It's all science. And they're still at it today. Now we'll go to the callers and we've got Antonio from Maryland on the line. Are you there, Antonio? Yes, Alan, how are you doing today? I'm hanging in here. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, I, well, I'd like to say I'm pretty disappointed in what I heard you um, talk about at the beginning of your show about the weasels that's out there um, cramping your business. Yeah. As it was, um, I hope they all get what they deserve. They will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They will. I, I, I really, I'm, I don't have the patience anymore because you're dealing with low-level psychopaths. These guys, these guys know what they're doing. And I'm also aware that the organizations out there that if they can't get you out economically by simply flooding the market with your stuff, which means I get nothing coming in here, then I go under. These are all tactics, by the way, they've used in the Patriot movement for years to get guys off the air. That, that they don't like. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a shame considering that um, if people look around, they can see how deep we are and you can smell how bad it is, but um, you got people like that who just want to rush in and clog up the hole even more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention, you mentioned, um, I've been wanting to talk about this a couple of times, uh, about the president signing the Military Commissions Act. Yeah. Um, I remember watching the news today that um, they brought it on as a special, you know, presentation when he did it. And this guy, he he shook this general's hand and he looked directly in the camera and he said, "We now have the tools we need to get the job yeah. done." Yeah. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. And uh, and I knew what he meant by that, but I know that most of the people watching did not understand what he was saying. That's and, right. Uh, because they probably never even read the Military Commission Act of 2006 to see what it says. Sure. Um, it's just that um, things are getting bad, and as you said, they're putting troops, um, talking about putting, they already have troops here. They're already prepared to let the troops go if they need to anyway. Yeah. Um, they, they know the riots are going to start. Yeah. Another report here from one of their big ministries. Uh, and the Defense Department, the big think tank, with, with more projections, with even riots beginning about 2009-10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully um, more people will wake up, and um, everyone out there needs to give. I mean, if you can't, you know, I'm trying less. As you said, uh, $3 here, $5 there will help, and, you know, you don't have to try and break your, break your, um, your, your pocketbook or your wallet as, it's, as it is. Uh, That's right, and I'm going to understand too. I don't ask and don't get paid for these radio uh, broadcasts or the television ones I've been on. I've never had a penny from any of them. Well, hopefully you'll get something from them tonight. Well, you have a good one, Alan, and, uh, and you too. I wish you all the best too. Yeah, thanks for calling. You're welcome. And, and yeah, I know for a fact that, that um, my stats are way up yonder with people who listen. This is it's incredible. Listen to me. But they take it all for free. They presume I must be rolling in money to do all this for free. Or maybe they don't presume anything at all. They expect you always to be, to be there until one day they come on in silence and they'll email you, what happened? I says, well, no one helped me out. That's what I'll say one day. And they'll go off and teach small groups again and make some cash and live a bit better than they are now. 
and I won't be so physically sick and run down as I am now as well because of the way I have to live. Now we've got Sam in Sydney there. Are you there, Sam? Yeah, hey, Alan, how are you? I'm just hanging on by the my fingertips here. Mate, I uh, I heard what the last caller said about uh, people ripping you off. I missed the, uh, the start of it. That is awful, man. Uh, first thing I'm going to do after this phone call, I'm going to go down the book. I've been planning this for a while. Today is the day. I'm going to go down and order three of your books, um, Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm going to get the two uh, CDs, and with the exchange rate, there's going to be more money there, so please see it as a donation. All you listeners out there, please, if everyone can just, even if, we, if you know, there's thousands of people listening to this, you're getting free podcasts. Just go and put 10, 20 bucks in. If we could have a thousand people, a thousand people do that, give Alan a, a happy Christmas, huh? Yeah, that's not a bad pocket. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> now, the, the the reason why I'm calling in, it's it's interesting. I, I, I we've got a monument down uh, in Hyde Park here, very similar to a couple of locations that I've seen. Uh, I think the, the 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 site in Washington is very similar to it, and just in terms of its sort of layout, but we've got like this um, uh, like this mausoleum style building which is actually the uh, the war memorial down there. It's interesting yeah. that, you know, I've, I've never really sort of taken notice of it. It's, it's, it's modelled exactly on a mausoleum. Yes. You go outside, one of, there's a plaque on the, on the, in the front, you know, on, in the floor that says, you know, your silence will be um, your offering. So you walk in there, you're, you're, you're expected to pay an offering. You walk in there, and it's probably one of the most bizarre sculptures that you'll ever see. And it immediately struck me as something that's really weird. On the floor um, is a, pretty much a, um, this sculpted golden sun. Yeah. And on, in the center of the sun uh, is, is this pillar, which is shaped in, the, in, in basically three women holding this dead um, soldier, dead naked soldier on a shield. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible, and it's pointing north. And as you as you keep, and, and and the mausoleum is basically right in front of you know there's a there's a reflecting pool built in front of it. As you walk down, uh, there's another sculpture, uh, the Art Archibald sculpture, which is amazing. Um, but you know it's got it's got this you know all these animals, and it's got uh, a guy slaying uh, a minotaur. But yeah. right on the top there is Apollo. Yes. Who just happens to be the um, one of the gods of colonialists? This is yeah, and again, Apollo is also the symbol of the serpent. Yeah. Right. Now, and and you know, obviously, between that, just off to the 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 left, there's a there's a huge Masonic um, uh, pipe. What do you call them? It's one of those huge Masonic. Um, Things. What, what do you call it? It's, it's, what's the Washington Monument again? With the obelisk. The obelisk. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got one of those as well. Yeah. Um, and if you actually look at the uh, map of where the statue was um, built, it's there's you know if you look in the aerial shot before the sculpture was built, there it is. There's a pyramid, and it's built right in on the eye of the pyramid. Now yeah. Apollo has his back to the Catholic Church, which is St Mary's, which is the most important church um, in. Uh, Australia, and mm-hmm. it's you know, standing right on top of St. James um, Station. It's it's incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah, people people walk yeah. through and pass by these things all the time. They take them for granted, and they don't realise the the symbols uh, and what they stand for, or the power these symbols 
understand for the power that's over them. They have no idea at all. And, and in fact, what they're telling you right there is that this is what rules this country. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's, there is the power structure. But it's interesting because, you know, there's been this whole, like, Anzac Day or the whole uh, the whole idea of the Anzac is very, very important to m- many Australians. There's just been this resurgence to actually, um, you know, people, you know, take pilgrimages to, to, to Anzac Cove in Turkey yeah. um, for Anzac Day. And there's this big thing about Anzac Day around. But, you know, it was... You know, it was an important war, but there's this big push um, now to actually sort of, I don't know, uh, make it almost a wholly untouchable sort of event. Um, That's right. That was that was the the, symbol, the symbology of sacrifice, 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 because they used that World War, World War One. Um, Mel Gibson did a good movie uh, about that, in fact. Gallipoli, yes. Yeah, Gallipoli. Excellent movie to see how young guys really are and, and how they don't think too much and how they're used and the mass slaughter. But, I mean, H.G. Wells said this would be the war to end all wars, to bring in a new world order. And, and people really uh, thought and hoped and prayed for a new system, a better system. And, and that's why they, they're making all this war stuff, uh, as you say, holy, holy events. It's almost like training kids to, you know, play with guns at the age of six. Why are you giving six-year-old kids guns? Because yes. by the time they're 18, they, you know, they're, they're, they're so gung-ho, they, they want to join the military. They're living out their fantasies. They are. They are. But, uh, but you know, if anyone, you know, uh, you speak about culture creation, um, I've studied quite a lot of the art. But, but you, here's, the, here's the break coming up. So hold on, and we'll get back after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And is Sam still on the line there? Yeah, I'm still here, mate. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true what you're sorry, saying. This, this whole glorification of war, because remember, they want 100 years perpetual war. And it's even in their own documentation from the Department of Defense. So they have to uh, make this a glorious thing for the youngsters who are very easily impressed. They can't imagine dying. When you're so young, death is a foreign alien concept to you. So they've got to get them really into this military mode by worshipping past wars, etc. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I guess I'm just absolutely gobsmacked that once you learn how to start reading the language of, of you know, of how they put their messages up there, how, how blatant that actually is. Anyone should actually just Google the, uh, the actual sculpture at the Anzac Memorial in Hyde Park and actually have a look at it and tell me that's not occultish. If you look at the, the, the actual guy that built it, uh, Raynor Hoff, the artist, he, I mean, he, he was so into the occult. One of his students, Rose, what's her name? Uh, let me just check. Rosaline, there's a book out on her called The Witch of King's Cross. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And she's Rosaline Norton. Um, she was one of his students. She's also a muse to Norman Lindsay, who was also into paganism and the occult, did a lot mm-hmm. of paintings. There's a, there's a huge... And, like, I mean, these are his students. And then you look at the guy who built the Archibald Fountain, there's not much known about him. He's done, like, three things and lived a very hermetic life. He's, he's yeah. just like this guy that's just... And it happens to be this French guy, and it mm-hmm. happens... And, and for some reason, the guy who commissioned the sculpture um, insisted that it had, the guy had to be French. That's right. It's like, what? what? And there it is on top of a, of a pyramid on the map in the eye. 
down the road is an obelisk, down the road is an, an, a mausoleum in front of a reflecting pool. Yeah. I mean, so you always have you always have a reflecting pool for, for those who are the males is fire, the female is water, and if the female can only reflect the light of the sun, because according to the Masons, she has no spirit or soul of her own. <laughs> right. They're, 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 so, well, you, what, I laugh at so the Eastern stars who don't know this. Mm-hmm. What, what are these three women? I mean, you know, you, you do a little bit of research. The three women carrying the dead naked soldier on a shield, they say it's a Spartan thing, but they also say that the, the, uh, the, the three women represent his mother, his wife, and his daughter. Oh, oh, yeah, surely I mean, will. You know, yeah. yeah, but can can anyone, you know, do, do you know how obvious that is? That's it's just like, well, you know, how, how could you not? Once you sort of start seeing this, you mm-hmm. just realise, geez, that's really obvious. Now, I mean, I, I work as a graphic designer, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm well aware of the fact that you know part of my job is to actually get passed through your logical brain which is your left brain yeah. and get right into your subconscious that's right we know that we've only got you we've only got like 2 to 5 seconds of your attention as you look at something and we've got to get you to actually remember that now you know i, I haven't you know i've been working as a designer for a long time that most of that time i didn't sit there and say well, you know, I want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm mathematically doing this, and no one has told me to do it. You just know to do it. Mm-hmm. You're just so indoctrinated that you just say, well, you know, this is this is what I've got to do to solve this, and this is yes. what I've, I, this is what I've been taught, and this is what the zeitgeist at the moment is. And then and then you realise what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're draw, you know, you're drawing the symbols and what how how you're communicating to another person just through. A, a symbol symbols. goes right into the mind, bypasses all all sensory. Uh, 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 fences and it lodges itself right in there and works quietly like a virus on you. Yeah. yeah. But thanks, thanks for Alan. calling, Sam. That's I'm going to go and order your book. Everyone go and give money to Alan. But thanks for saying that. <laughs> well, that's it for tonight, folks, from Hamish Marcel in Ontario, Canada. It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.